thinking about it's like it's a little hard to work with people and like have a respectful relationship that they don't believe you should have human rights like like I don't even know like where you can like where can you build ground off that if they're they have certain beliefs that aren't inclusive of your existence uh it's hard to like have a good working relationship with someone do like I'm not sure what level of this comes from like management supervisors but I feel like sometimes the sentiment is like oh we'll have diversity if I hire xyz like hire these people we'll have this diversity it's like well you have to do more work than that you can't just hire these people like well we're done it's like you're gonna have to do more work to make this space inclusive and try to like make the efforts to change the culture which is difficult you can't just do it overnight so it's um like I hope more people kind of realize that and be able to try to foster these environments in the workplaces to be inclusive of everyone and um instead of just hiring a group of people seeing most of them quit because of the workspace not being friendly to them and then being like well we tried and that's it hey folks and welcome to life with fire podcast i'm your host amanda montai and today we are doing a second episode on being a trans woman in fire our first episode in this sort of mini-series on trans women in fire with uh, Bobby Scopa a few weeks ago seemed to be really successful. We had a lot of folks sharing it, and some folks reached out and said that they appreciated the, the coverage of trans women in fire. This is a topic that doesn't get a ton of attention, so happy to uh, continue that series today with an episode with Tris C. Miller. Um, Tris transitioned a few years ago while working on a hotshot crew in Northern California. And she has also worked with the California Conservation Corps, with the Forest Service, with CAL FIRE, has a really broad experience with a variety of different agencies, and we talk about that quite a bit. Um, We talk mostly about her fire experiences in the first half of the episode or so, and then um, by about 20 minutes in, we do start talking about her experiences as a trans woman and kind of what that's looked like, um, what environments have made her feel safe and have felt inclusive, and then also what environments have felt less safe or less inclusive and kind of what sorts of things had contributed to that sort of crew culture. I can't thank Tris enough for coming on the show and sharing her experiences. Um, This is really kind of an invaluable lesson for I think a lot of folks in FIRE um, to learn from. I think this episode could be really informative for folks who've maybe worked in FIRE for a long time and have never worked with a trans woman or worked with um, even non-binary folks or queer folks. Uh, This might be a very insightful episode for you, maybe just as much as the Bobby Scopa one was. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you learned something, and I hope you're able to take the lessons learned from this episode to your own districts uh, now that the fire season has very much started. And kind of on that note, just want to say I hope you guys are staying safe out there, especially those in New Mexico. Looks like we're gearing up for another pretty intense wildfire season, so I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves and staying healthy and safe. And for those who aren't yet on wildfires, I hope you guys get your good prescribed fire burn windows. I know that seems to be a bit of a hot commodity right now across most of the the country, so I guess all I can say is may the odds be ever in your favor, and hopefully you can get some good fire on the ground before the wildfire season really starts kicking off here. All right, let's get into it. Here is Tris C. Miller. Thank you, as always, for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, yeah, my name's Tris. I've been in fire for, done four seasons. I've worked, I think, a couple winters as well. Um, 
so I'm 26. I got started when I was 21. I got started with the California Conservation Corps. So joined up with them and did some emergency work, just like working at the camps very briefly. Then I got into their, um, their hand crew and worked with them through the winter. Um, it was back in 2017 to 2018. Then 2018, I got onto uh, Type 3 engine on the Mendocino National Forest with the Forest Service. Uh, worked through the fire season with them. Um, the following season, I went to their hotshot crew. Um, then after that season, I went back to the CCC uh, to work on their to get become a crew leader and run crews myself then following season that's when covid covid started and in the following season i worked in utah briefly as a firefighter on a type four i was going to do a lot of engine operator work which was a lot of fun and then i went back to the california conservation corps as one of their permanent supervisor roles on their fire crew so I worked on that fire crew for a few months. Uh, my limited term position ran out and then was on the off, pretty much got an artificial off season because I, my term ran out. And then I went to Cal Fire this last season and I ended up working at their air base with their aircraft. Wow, that's awesome. That's such a diverse <laughs> background. I really appreciate yeah. that. It's, it's been weird. It's like three different agencies on three different modules. And it's like, it's been, it's been very interesting, uh, jumping between agencies and modules and how like the Cal Fire hand crew, uh, operates entirely differently or very differently than the hotshot crew and like having to jump between them and the, the Cal Fire engine versus uh, the Fed engine was also very different. So it's been, it's been an interesting trip jumping between, uh, different agencies and modules and locations, especially. This is the point in the conversation where Tris and I relate over having worked on hotshot crews. So we talk a little bit about our experiences on our respective crews and Tris brings up what crew she was on. I'm going to keep that anonymous. So that's why I cut this little section out. So anyway, that's why there's like this awkward gap right here. Moving on, here's Tris. Yeah, I've heard, actually, I don't know if We've talked about this before, but I've heard like the Oregon Washington crews and engines, and I've seen them have they seem to have way more women than any of the California crews. Like, I don't think I've ever seen more than one woman on a hotshot crew in California. And I feel like when I've seen the Oregon Washington crews, it's like two to four women or maybe more. Yeah, that's an interesting. <clears throat> I feel like anecdotally, a lot of women have that experience, and mm -hmm. well, a lot of folks have noticed that. And yeah. in in my experience, when I was in Oregon, every crew that we worked with, like Rogue and uh, Wolf Creek, I think was the name of the other one, and Legrand, they all had like four women. I remember ending up on fires with like, we ended up on a fire once with like Baker River, Legrand, and I think Rogue was there. And every single crew on that fire had like at least four women, if not like five or six. So yeah. uh, it was really, that was really cool to see and just really nice to like, go to fires and not be you know not be the only one yeah. especially on your own crew but it, like yeah particularly that's, yeah it's so nice because I I think yeah I feel like except at the CCC I've never worked on a module with another woman who actually worked the full season like on the hotshot crew we had a woman work with us for one role and then she quit oh. uh so this is like yeah between yeah all the work in California it's like so few women like haven't had any women in leadership positions while in fire like 
or my direct supervision. Uh, so it's, yeah, and then <clears throat> seeing these crews from other regions with lots of women, I'm like, what are they doing differently? Like, I want, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On our crew, I feel like it was just like day one, it was really drilled into us to be that, that, you know, that this was part of our history and that, and it really was, I mean, ZigZag was one of the first crews to uh, hire a woman in the seventies. And it was the first crew to have a female super or female superintendent. Um, and I, yeah, there, it was just, it was very quickly drilled into us that this was like part of our crew history and that we were uh, like a crew that really valued respect for everybody and that we really respected and valued minority or uh, um, diversity on the crew. Yeah. So that was, it was a really great culture. It was a good crew culture. I appreciated it a lot. Um, That's awesome to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever want to be on a shock crew again, I would, I would really recommend region six, but I'm curious, like with the woman on your crew, was that a result of crew culture, do you think, or was it just something that was kind of maybe overwhelming or? Uh, I think that it was a mix of things. I think crew culture, I don't, I don't know if the crew culture was the reason she left, but I don't think it helped her stay. And I think just the workload was um, more than she was used to. Uh, so I think when she joined the crew, uh, she worked 14, she worked well, and we were like, I was glad she was there. She's the only qualified EMT on our crew. So I'm like, even if she's not used to the workload, just having someone who has this experience is really nice. Um, but I think it was different than what our expectations were for working on the crew. And, um, then like granted as well, we had a, a guy joined the crew that was his first season and he never even met the crew. I think he worked a few days on the engine and quit. So like we had two people come in and quit pretty much instantly. So how were your experiences? Um, kind of in general, but if you wanted to talk about, you know, the shot crew specifically. Just working in fire in general or. Yeah. Yeah. Working in fire in general, like, um, you know, like what kind of work you've liked, if you've enjoyed the modules or if sounds like you've had a really diverse background, you know, like what kind of, what, what are you aiming to kind of do more in the future, like engine work or aircraft or aircraft work or. I've liked different aspects of all of it. Definitely my favorite time, the most fun I've ever had fighting fire was when I was in Utah getting to drive the engine. I think that was just like one of the first times like entered, I entered the module having two seasons of previous experience. I had my commercial license. Um, and the, the acting engine boss is pretty much like, you can handle yourself. Uh, having someone else who can drive the engine's nice. So I just got this responsibility that I really enjoyed having. It was, I felt like I was really contributing to the module in a meaningful way. Um, and the fires were just fun. And I really liked a lot of the aspects of working there. Um, granted the area I was in and the people I was working with weren't necessarily what I preferred, but the fire element of it was definitely the most fun I've ever had. <clears throat> and then when I first joined the CCC and worked on their fire crew, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then most recently working at the airbase was, the airbase is definitely the best environment I worked in as far as inclusivity. It doesn't mean it was necessarily great, but it definitely, it surpassed my expectations by a lot. Um, and I did enjoy working there because I did feel like it was a relatively safe and secure environment. Uh, because um, I guess all the people there kind of knew me and we stayed in one location and we never moved and all the employees who worked there were pretty stable. So we didn't have a lot of visitors, the supervision never changed. So 
I think those elements made it feel a lot like more safe and secure uh, than a lot of the other places I've worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to maybe elaborate on that experience, I'm curious if you have any things that have, yeah, anything that made you feel particularly welcomed um, on a certain crew, like uh, what are some characteristics of a crew that makes you, that, that is, feels safe and inclusive? Uh, I guess just having people I feel like I can bond with like quickly is like usually like I've worked with some like really amazing women and a few like a few of the men I've worked with have been really great like they're either very open-minded or like their experience in like the queer community or like some element of that like at least having one or two people who are like that on a crew definitely helps because like I don't have to have that bond with everyone but if I at least have one person on a crew or a module that I can like like if I have my issues like I can actually if I'm having relationship issues but no one I don't have that relationship with anyone else on the crew like I can talk to them then it's like then I like I might be sitting on these things for months or weeks for until I get time off again so I think having an element definitely helps and just like support from supervision being like hey if something happens tell me and we'll back you up too like having that conversation with the supervisor manager I think that helps with anyone that's a minority background to like, um, like make the people who are more diverse in your workforce feel safe and like supported mm -hmm. absolutely yeah I think I think most women or most folks that are underrepresented in fire can absolutely relate to that experience of like having like for me on my shot crew I had a I had a guy that I was just really good friends with and yeah. he had a wife that he wasn't able to see that summer a lot and I had some relationship issues and we were able to talk about it really openly and having that resource and having that friendship was so clutch to making yeah. that a sustainable season the first year I was on the shot crew um, and I just like hope that every woman who works on a shot crew um, has that it has that same has some sort of sort of ally I guess just that same yeah. sort of experience but yeah it's like yeah it's, it's like that does that's I feel like so hard to work without like on the engine Utah there's he he came in really late um this guy like instantly came in I'm like oh this guy's really cool like got along really well um and then he ended up getting moved to a different module. So I was only working with him for a couple of weeks. But I was like, damn, I wish I was still working with him. Cause like I'd actually like talk to this guy about like almost anything. He was like very cool and understanding and very open. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that from really anyone else that I was working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So on the flip side, if you're comfortable talking about it, what feels, um, you know, maybe vice versa, like what has felt, uh, what crew cultures have felt sort of less inclusive uh, I think it's a lot of elements of like very toxic masculinity <laughs> that's very prevalent in a lot of the cultures and crews I've worked with just very like yeah very macho like don't show emotion don't act these ways like this is how you need to speak or like presents uh constantly that makes it difficult and then elements of people just I think a lot of times just saying whatever they think and even if that is saying things that are very offensive or slurs or just things that I'm like wow I'm kind of surprised you let that out of your mouth <laughs> uh, around groups of people like you feel comfortable speaking this way mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of elements of that are make it difficult to be in a lot of these crew cultures if that makes any sense it makes total sense it makes total sense I almost felt like on the crew that I was on on the shot crew having like four women on the crew almost made it so that the dynamic really prevented that kind of thing from happening, mm -hmm. you know, where it was like, if you say something and there's two women in the buggy, um, like we're going to call you out for that. And yeah. That's, 
it might be less so when there's only one woman or, you know, when, when you feel like you're a little bit outnumbered. Yeah. It's, I think it's easier, especially if it's like someone saying something to someone that may not, that is discriminatory or something that's like making fun of their character and not like something they did in their work is like, it's a lot easier for someone else to stand up for you than you to stand up for yourself in the situations. Like if other people back you up, a lot of times it dissuades that type of behavior and helps someone learn. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, you, everyone has to stick up for each other if you want these things to stop. So being by yourself does make it incredibly difficult, especially if none of them, none of the other people in the crew who are, um, it's, yeah, if there's a bunch of men on the crew and only one woman and they're saying things like, a lot of them may not pick up on cues of like, hey, wait, this conversation may not be something we should really be having in general, but especially with someone else like this around. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, yes, yeah, it's a lot of that culture and what conversations are actually acceptable to have or appropriate to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so can you talk, I would love to know a little bit more about like the, the vibe on the California Conservation Crew uh, the hand crew and the other crews that you've been involved with. It sounds like you keep coming back to them, which sounds really like it was hopefully like a positive exp- experience. And if you could talk a little bit about that, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, there's a mix of elements with okay. it, which the California, so the age, are you very familiar with the California Conservation Corps? Not or? really. I've like worked with them on fires, uh, you know, where they were kind of like camp crews, but yeah. not, uh, I haven't worked with their fire crews at all. So like, yeah, there's just like, I don't, I should know this because I've worked as a supervisor, but there's, there's like more than a dozen centers throughout the state and like four or five of them have fire crews. Um, and everyone in the, to join, you have to be between the ages of 18 to 26 mm-hmm. um, or up to 29 if you're a military veteran. So, and the supervisor, like the, the overarching supervisor, it's a career position, so you can be any age, but um so the, the crews themselves are usually people that are between the ages of like 18 to like 23. There's like pretty common range. So it's a lot of younger people. A lot of times they're more open and accepting. Um, and especially on the fire crews and their regular project crews, it's the people, they're very inexperienced. So it's like the most senior crew member you'll ever have has three seasons because you can't stay more than three years. So the, the crews are all very... Uh, relatively inexperienced, uh, especially compared to like professional, uh, like forest service or private, even private crews. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the element of having mostly younger people definitely is kind of nice. And you do work a lot in like mentoring, developing them. Like some of the, like, I feel like a lot of times people, like some of the most influential people in their careers are some of the first supervisors they've worked with. And you are in this role if you're a supervisor. Um, so I think a lot of that element does help like a lot of young people and there's a lot of like eagerness to get into fire. There's like the first season energy. I feel a lot of rookies have. Um, so those elements can make it like, I think pretty nice in the work in the, the workspace. They make efforts to be more inclusive than I think a lot of other agencies because they aren't just a fire agency. They're primarily a conservation agency and a resource agency. Uh, fire is only a part of what they do. Um, but then the the partnerships they have with their overarching agencies, which are either Forest Service, BLM, or CAL FIRE, those partnerships can be a lot where a lot of the problems may come from. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because you are working with their supervisors who are used to their own routine. So. Mm-hmm. And you said you worked with Cal Fire last season? Yeah. Do you think you'll go back with Cal Fire this year? Um, I'm, I rehire rights with them. I am trying to get the, another supervisor position with the Conservation Corps that's not in fire. Um, so if that plays out, that's the position I'll be in. But if that doesn't, then I believe I'll be going back to Cal Fire uh, at the air base again. Cool. Do you think you want to stick with fire? Um, listen to your podcast has made me want to get back into it, especially with the pay raises. I was like, if I can find the right crew, I'm definitely like, I, I, I do love fire. Like I do love the work. I think the work can be a ton of fun. It's, um, I just, yeah, the cultural and the crew dynamic is really what's been problematic for me is especially when I, I talked to men like about what their favorite thing in fire. A lot of times the camaraderie, the brotherhood. And I was like, Oh, I haven't felt that in years. Like it's been so long. And it's like, I miss it, but, um, I, do really want to work in fire and I want to be part of it. But at the moment until like I find a specific crew or station or a niche position that I can, like, I think I feel like comfortable and safe and, and I enjoy doing then. Um, yeah, then I'm not sure. Like I'd like to, but I just don't know if it's really reasonable for me to like have to fight tooth and nail for a position that doesn't treat me well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting to bring up the camaraderie thing as being the one thing that a lot of folks fall back on in terms of why they like this job. And when you don't feel that, it's like that is one of the coolest parts of the job. And to not feel that inclusivity or to not feel that camaraderie with your crew members is it it makes seasons really, really hard. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you think, um, you know, the, the Forest Service especially talks a lot about retaining uh, women and underrepresented folks in the fire space. And they're wondering why they can't make it happen. They're wondering why women are bailing and why, you know, why a lot of folks are bailing. Um, And so, yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I haven't heard a lot of people do talk about like the pay or talk about this and that. And uh, yeah, that crew culture is, is really critical. And I think, especially in California, I think anecdotally, that seems to be a place where that inclusivity is maybe a little less prominent. Yeah, less of a priority. Which I was like my old boss, like my first offer I got was in Nevada. And he was like, uh, they aren't gonna be very inclusive there. And I wasn't even out at the time as anything. Uh so he's like, you better be careful going to Nevada. And I was like, actually working in Utah, like at least the Forest Service station there was actually relatively good compared to where I was working in Northern California. Um so it's it was kind of funny, like the expectation that just because it's California means it's inclusive, but I'm like, not necessarily now. Uh, no. Yeah, that's not really the experiences of a lot of the people I've spoken to. And of course, again, this is anecdotal, but um, yeah. it's overwhelmingly anecdotal. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, with that note of like not having felt that camaraderie, what kind of has kept you in fire? Like, what do you, what do you love about fire? Um, I mean, I think the work's fun. I think going out, cutting down trees and putting in fire line and like, um, like running hose lays with the engine, getting to drive the engine into fires in Utah was super fun. Like I really liked uh, being in the front seat and like having the engine boss getting to be on the radio and directing me to get into a place and like having conversations, everyone in the front seat having conversations about what's going on with the fire. I was like, oh, this is really fun. This is really energetic. Uh, I really like this like teamwork here. And uh actually going in and putting the fire out and like coordinating of the tactics and everything. I thought all that was a ton of fun too. 
Um, so there, yeah, there are a lot of elements of fire I do really like, and the thought of leaving it would make me like pretty sad because I do like so many elements of it. Um, yeah. What are some memorable experiences that you have in fire? Like some, some things that like some fires that were really fun. Um, sounds like I, I, I think that engine operator or like the assistant engine operator role, is that what you were? I, I was technically, I was a GS4 for sure. Uh, it was, so we were, they were understaffed tremendously. Uh, it's a, it was a weird situation. We had an engine boss who was from another, he's a from, he's like, he's working as an AD from another module. Uh, and he wasn't, uh, he didn't have his commercial license and he he was kind of just filling in as the engine boss he wasn't there permanently and he was kind of like i'm just gonna stick around and then i'm gonna go on vacation once the overtime dries up uh which i'm like i can totally respect that like he had a he had a rough career with his other position uh then our acting engine boss was the afeo uh, and he was running the whole module more or less and then i just came in and had a commercial license so like cool you can drive this so i'm like that sounds awesome to me. I'm like, I'm happy to help because I felt like I was more or less filling the AFEO and he was filling the captain position on that module, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I was yeah, never right. in a leadership position on a crew, but I feel like that would have been really empowering to, mm -hmm. to feel like, uh, like the, the, um, you know, all of your experiences coalescing into this like somewhat leadership position where you're able to mm -hmm. talk about tactics and like yeah. you're able to like be on the radio and make some of those decisions that you were previously just kind of like along for the ride for. So yeah, yeah, that seems really empowering and, and fun. Yeah, well, on the other side of it, when I was the supervisor at the seas, we were on a fire crew and we were partnered with that Cal Fire, Cap Fire captain. Uh, and that relationship was really, it was really weird because technically as a, in our position, we aren't a fire position. We have no qualification in the LCS uh, area, but like, I had my, my once only one season on the shot crew, but had my like three seasons going into that position. And then two of the other supervisors had like six, seven seasons on a hot shot crew and one season on a smoke jumper crew or smoke jumping. And they, with their, they'd more, a lot of them had more wildland experience than most of the captains we were working with. Uh, and they had no real say in a lot of the stuff we were doing, like, or at least no full say, like the, if, anything they said was respected. It was because the captains respected their experience. It was not because they had any leadership qualifications to make decisions. So like in there, there's there some level of tactical decisions we were allowed to make, but it was, the relationship was really rocky and it was, didn't feel very well respected. And a lot of the captains weren't very inclusive at all. Uh, and that was incredibly difficult to work with both on a professional and like a personal and cultural level. Uh, to try to have a part we we're like supposed to be a partnership but it really just felt like we were treated like paperwork jockeys for them sometimes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's weird how that can happen like seven or eight years on a shot crew is a lot of good experience yeah <laughs> like a lot of seeing fire and a lot of like you know like hard assignments and yeah it's interesting how when you do get you, when you get sucked into a shock crew, it can be hard to get those qualifications, even though you mm -hmm. have this like really robust experience. It's kind of an interesting yeah. dynamic. Hey, y'all. Just wanted to take a really quick break to highlight our newest sponsor of Life with Fire podcast, which is an organization called Forest Proud. They put out tons of great content related to forest resilience and really utilizing forests to provide climate solutions. So whether through forest management or forest markets and products, 
Forest Pride is just dedicated to sort of connecting people to these solutions, to these climate solutions um, through programs and products and initiatives, all while promoting partnerships and initiatives that really help us move forward in an era of climate change and really help build more resilient forests. So it's a great community of folks. Um, it's made up of a lot of folks from the forestry sector and from the fire sector. And I really think you guys should go check out their website. They've got a lot of great content on their website and uh, on their social media channels. So go check them out. I will link to some of their information in this episode's show notes. And I would urge you guys to go see what they've been up to. Maybe follow them on social media. Um, potentially become a member if you're interested. And you can also donate to them if you are interested in doing so. So thank you again to Forest Proud for supporting the podcast and for supporting diversity in the forest sector and also healthy forests and climate solutions. Go check them out maybe after this episode and let's get back to Tris. Yeah, like the queer community in fire is like, which I don't know your experiences are either. Like, I feel like I've met a lot of like queer women, uh, like cis queer women uh, in fire, but like I haven't really met and I haven't met any other trans people in person in fire. Uh, I've talked to a few online um, and I haven't met any gay men in fire. So it's like, um, there's like some element of the community out there, but I feel like it's not like united at all. And it has made it like, I don't know, a lot of the elements has made it, I think difficult to really like bond with a lot of people or feel able to communicate with someone else about issues you're having that are unique to yourself. and none of your other crew members probably can really relate to. Um, so what do you uh, think, what do you think would encourage more um, queer and trans folk? Like what, what do you think would encourage more retention of those folks? Cause I've thought about it a bit and it was like, I think just better edu- I mean, the education can be just broad about queer people and also just about women working in fire and just, a lot like a broad topic on minorities uh especially in the fire like it's like about 90 percent of the people in wildland fire are men uh so just more broad topics on all the other people that are also involved in fire that aren't just especially just like white men mm-hmm. um like having those conversations or having more professional education on that i think would be beneficial and so if someone shows up that is queer or from a particular minority group it, the burden's not 100% on them to educate their entire crew potentially about their existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some element of it. And then the supervisors supporting and um, shutting down any discourse, that, like negative discourse about this person joining their crew would be another feature of that. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it too is just major cultural changes that are would be hard to say because it's like, thinking about it's like it's a little hard to work with people and like have a respectful relationship that they don't believe you should have human rights like like I don't even know like where you can like where can you build ground off that if they're they have certain beliefs that aren't inclusive of your existence uh it's hard to like have a good working relationship with someone um so I think that makes it difficult and when I got like my medical like also just I guess cutting down any medical exemptions that may occur which didn't happen to me but when I got my medical exam done Cal Fire the I think it was the nurse or the practitioner told me it's like by the way like you're an anomaly here your medication you're on your hormones could potentially disqualify you from this position if the medical director chooses to 
which is kind of a shock to me because I'm like, I've, I've been on these medications, like the end of my season with the shot crew. And I've been on this medication while I worked in Utah. Like I know I can handle the job while on my hormones. Um, but yeah, there's just so few of us that they may just see this and be like, no. And from what he said, it does sound like there are some trans men in fire and them being on testosterone won't necessarily be seen as a downside by um, the medical uh, directors. And um, I think, I'm not sure how many trans men are in fire, but I do feel like they have a different degree of being able to fit into a lot of the masculine uh, crew environment. If they're interested in fire, they there's a good likelihood a lot of them will like the crew culture and be able to blend in pretty well. And if they can um, have the ability to grow facial hair and um, present the part, then um, I know they're out there. I'm just not, I haven't really talked to any. Uh, yeah. So, and it sounded like this uh, nurse had some experience with examining them. So like, no, there's some degree of them, but I'm just not really sure on it. It's, yeah, it's really hard to have these conversations to really know when there's so little representation and people to talk to, because it's like, we can't have any data if we like, don't even know who to talk to about it. Exactly. Yeah, you end up like trying to build these communities on your own online. And yeah. in, that, in that way, like how many trans women have you found in FIRE kind of via online communication? I've talked to like two, and I think I talked to a trans guy but I think he he was interested in fire he was like in the Netherlands or something um and then I've seen a few article on like trans women are chiefs and they transitioned after they held their position mm-hmm. um but I think I talked to two women or I talked to one woman I saw another woman post just like a picture on a subreddit um so it's like but they were like one of them I think was on her crew for a few years and she was coming out and then the other woman looked like she was just getting started mm-hmm. um so it would be more, it would be interesting to see if there are any like trans women, like the middle management, like the engineer, the squad boss, or the captain positions, like, um, or if they transitioned and promoted within the ranks, because I think like, especially with a lot of women, like I've seen a lot of women working in the lower level leadership, like the low level positions on crews of being seasonals or like senior firefighters, but I feel like it's really hard to see the engineers and the captains and people who are able to stick with it uh, longer term. and. I mean, I haven't like really gone that far into it, but I'm not like, I'm not sure how promotable or like what issues may come up with me, like trying to promote within the the agency, especially once I get to in-person interviews, because I can promote to a degree without having to interview. Once I have to interview, I'm like, I'm not sure what sort of biases and um, like where the ceiling would be like for me or like what I'd have to surpass to promote within the ranks and fire too. Mm-hmm. Have you felt those biases in, in past interviews? Um, so I feel like for most fire positions, you don't have to interview. So That's true. That's true. a lot of them I haven't had to, or their phone interviews. Um, and I haven't had that many video interviews. Uh, and a lot of the video interviews I've had have been like, I may have been on working. So I was in my work uniform. So it wasn't like me presenting like femme. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. And there's like, no way to really know like was I just not qualified enough or was it just some like unconscious bias of being like I don't really know if I want to hire this person Mm -hmm. um and yeah there's some elements of that Mm -hmm. uh at what point did you transition uh I transitioned I initially came out a little bit before I joined the shot crew when I was 23 I was never out while on the shot crew I never felt safe or comfortable coming out like 
I heard a lot of people in my crew talk and how they talked about queer people and trans people. I'm like, this is not an environment for me to be out. Um, but I did start hormones when I saw the shot crew and I just never let anyone know. Um, and then after that, um, when I rejoined the seas, uh, as a crew leader, I, um, came out when I, a little bit after I turned 24, mm-hmm. that's when I came out changed my name and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like fully started presenting as myself. That's great. I'm really sorry you had that experience on the shot crew that it didn't feel like a safe place to do that. Yeah, which I mean, to be fair, a lot like that isn't I did not like it was this shot crew specifically. It was like that's a very, I think, general experience. Like the yeah. engine, I didn't want to have felt the engine I was on previously, I wouldn't have felt safe. Um, I still don't feel particularly safe in a lot of the spaces in Cal Fire either. Not, but um, so there are a lot of degrees where I don't necessarily feel comfortable or safe, but some agencies have better HRs and stronger protections where I feel like that offers some level of security, but it does feel a little weird if you like, I feel like this person's only respecting me because they can get fired if they don't. Um, which I know it's like some women may have elements of that where someone like is upset. They can't like speak openly like they used to be able to because they're afraid of the repercussions of their actions. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely complicated and it's messy and things have gone a very long way in the last 10 years, especially, but beyond that, like, I don't even, um, like, what, like when I went to Utah, I think trans people gained the right to not get fired for existing like one or two months before I started there. Like that was, uh, so I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure if the feds could, would have done that, but I'm like a few years ago, I'm like, if I got hired here, I don't even know they could have, I don't know if I could just show up and they could be like, no, we don't want you and just fire me for that. Like, I'm not sure what, how that would have looked or what the federal policies were, but um, yeah, it is major legislation change has happened and there has been pushback recently too. So, um, but yeah, I don't even really know if it was a possibility like 10, 15 years ago for Maybe that is why there aren't a lot of like trans women as like captains or like engineers is because they couldn't have promoted or even been recruited uh, that long ago to have earned these positions by now. Right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, it'd be interesting to like like flesh out the data on that to see yeah. if that might actually have been the case. I mean, it makes total sense to me that women who have been in the in the job for that like eight to 12 years that would be required to be a squad boss or to be a captain like that that would make that makes sense to me that that would be a a huge a huge hindrance Mm -hmm. um did the really did the experiences of the other women that you've spoken to the other trans women you've spoken to does that do they kind of parallel your own experiences um we didn't talk that much so Mm -hmm. i'm not totally sure and i think one of them like she had like just a coming out post and i responded to and talked to her very briefly so I'm not totally sure like how long they've been out in the field. So mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't had those level. Maybe I like to try to find them again because, um, but yeah, I haven't really had that level of conversation with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been interesting, like listening to your podcast and like hearing like, it's been able to like, and also talking to like other women I'm friends with and fire, just been able to draw parallels of like how our experiences are similar than also being able to find like the few few things I'm like okay this is a bit different so I'm like I may be able to correlate this like this is probably they're treating me because I'm trans not just because I'm a woman so Mm -hmm. um that has been kind of like interesting to be able to 
kind of make those connections and like hearing a more diverse range of experiences, especially from women who are uh, holding higher positions because most of the people I'm friends with are uh, firefighters or like senior firefighters, not captains or chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking. Bobby Scopa is the woman I'm speaking with awesome. uh, yeah. this afternoon. And so I might, um, she actually has a podcast as well. It's called Bob awesome. on Fire. And so you should maybe check out her podcast in here. Yeah, I should. Places. Yeah. She's no, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting with me and for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate hearing that. Yeah, I've been really, really appreciating it. And uh, yeah, I hope that over time it can make like changes can be made to make the workspace more inclusive for everyone who works in it and more enjoyable space for everyone. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, as we talk so much about retention in the Forest Service, it's like this is such a, such a critical conversation to have. Like there are so many high quality people who don't feel safe uh, yeah. in fire and therefore yeah. end up bailing because naturally they, they would. <laughs> yeah. And I do like, I'm not sure what level of this comes from like management supervisors, but I feel like sometimes the sentiment is like, oh, we'll have diversity if I hire X, Y, Z, like hire these people, we'll have this diversity. It's like, well, you have to do more work than that. You can't just hire these people. I'm like, well, we're done. It's like, you're going to have to do more work to make this space inclusive and try to like make the efforts to change the culture, which is difficult. You can't just do it overnight. So it's um, like, I hope more people kind of realize that and be able to try to foster these environments in the workplaces to be inclusive of everyone. And um, instead of just hiring a group of people, seeing most of them quit because of um, the workspace is not being friendly to them and then being like well we tried and that's it exactly like just thinking that they can check a box and then be done with yeah them. yes and it's like and you may have to make sacrifices or like you know, find areas that you have to make improvements on or may have to fire people that are making the workspace inhospitable um like have to be open to making those changes uh, and it does take a lot of time and effort and resources and um i wish it was easier but I think people need to know there has to be a level of work you have to put in to have diversity in your workspace um, in a place that has historically not been diverse. All right, folks, that's what we've got for you today. I want to extend a huge thank you to Tris C. Miller for coming on the show and uh, sharing her experiences with us. I think it's pretty invaluable for folks in FIRE to hear about the experiences of uh, underrepresented folks and especially for trans folks. So I appreciate you listening to this episode and I would urge you to share it with anybody who you think might enjoy it or might learn from it or might need to hear some of the perspectives that Tris shared. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love to see your support in the form of um, reviews on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about us or possibly supporting us financially on Patreon. Any and all support goes a really long way with a small independent podcast like this. So we appreciate you listening and we will catch you on the next one.